gonna take a big yawn. <sighs> Maybe stretch a little bit. Very tired. But let's move on, shall we? Hello, welcome to Conti See Where I'm Going. I'm your host, LTW Blank. With me are my co-host, Blame Blizz. And this week we have a new guest host, Chunchun Maru. Because unfortunately, um Jiggles died in a workout related accident. Right. So, yeah, yeah, because he was the flab on an old man. The old yeah. man decided why not get fit. So, How many weights was he lifting? I'm gonna say uh, it's unconfirmed. We don't <laughs> we don't know. It was the old man. Jiggles was a flab on the old man. The old man was like, I'm gonna get fit, so Jiggles I literally I mean Jiggles uh died because the guy started working out and then his existence came into Shouldn't uh, Jiggles on. become a, like abs or something? No, it, it was one of those like fat only jiggles, the uh, flabs. <laughs> so it wasn't like a muscle area at all. It was just fat. It was so just like it just died out when he started working out. Okay, yeah. It was just loose skin that was hanging. What? That's what jiggles was. That was his entire existence. So anyway, I've come into this episode blind about last episode. <laughs> Why did I? Last we episode, we had two guest hosts. One of them was Jiggles, and unfortunately, Jiggles died in a workout-related accident. That's all we're gonna leave for it. Um, we might as well take a moment of silence to mourn the loss of Jiggles. He was my best friend. I don't a know flab. <laughs> sure. The one closest to you. I. <laughs> my favorite moment in the podcast was when we were talking about um, when Jiggles' doppelganger would come out of the lake. Oh, and I was yeah. like, just imagine a flab <laughs> crawling its way out of the lake. What? Just a singular <laughs> flab. It reminds me of that Doctor Who episode about adipose. Oh man, that is such a good episode. That was when Donna decided to actually become the Doctor's companion. Yeah, and that that famous line was said when the, when the doctor was like, "I just want a mate," and Donna was like, "You just want to mate? You're not mating with me, Mister." Well, anyway, I I went off. You know I what? The, you know what that country. flab reminds me of, like the sentient flab. It reminds me of uh, the Michelin Man, like the tire guy. <laughs> it was just a bunch of flabs. <laughs> He, I thought he was a bunch of tires. Yeah, he is a bunch of tires, but he looks more like a bunch of flabs, right? Come on. That's I would he looks, I he looks more like a marshmallow man than the marshmallow man yeah, did. Yeah, I yeah. it to the uh, Pillsbury Doughboy, you know? True. That fat, that fat marshmallow dude. Mm. Well, anyway. Um, so how are you guys? It's been a while since I've talked to Blizz, you know? It's been draining, finally. Been draining, raining. That makes sense. But anyway, enough of the small talk. I finished. You know what I did in in the past two days? Kaguya Sama. Kaguya Sama. Yes, I did, and it was amazing. I, I like how all of us just instantly guessed it. Yeah. It's because that's because I told you guys already. Sure. I I caught up. No, we manga. guessed it. What are you talking about? We guessed about? it, man. We guessed it. <laughs> 
we well, never heard uh, you talk about this you and Maru, I've never even talked to you before, so I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. I guessed it. The other guys didn't. <laughs> well, anyway, I caught up to the manga and now I feel like a god standing among men. And next so, week, we'll start feeling lonely. I already feel lonely. <laughs> don't have to say next week. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's an ever-present thing. Huh. We've so gone like, too much um, into deep talks. Well, spoiler alert for Kaguya-sama love before. In, it's actually, in the manga, it's called Kaguya, want, Kaguya Wants to Be Confessed To. Yeah. Which I like. So, spoiler alert for that. But, um, spoiler alert, actual spoiler alert. Because, I'll say, it, I'll say it once. I've said it once, I'll say it again. We are the number one fan base for Kaguya-sama. And I want to talk about Kaguya-sama. So obviously, uh, the president and uh, Kaguya-sama, you know, get together. They become an item. They be- they they start a relationship. But, but they didn't get to finish it. No, they're they're dating right now. Yeah, you but finish like, a relationship anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. You no, break like, up. No, like, <laughs> that is the complete cycle. one of them. Died. Didn't did, didn't 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 like. Uh, they graduate or some shit. No, the graduation hasn't happened yet. Well, like, then you so, haven't finished up the manga. <laughs> no, I have, I've caught up the manga. Yeah. No, so what happened was, um, uh, so in Japan, high school has three years, and the president and Kaguya are in the second year. So, uh, the president got accepted into Stanford, right? So he. So, because he got accepted into Stanford, he won't be there for the third year. So, he's leave, He's going to leave Japan at the graduation. So, when he confessed to Kaguya... Well, he didn't technically confess to Kaguya, but he's like, I want you to come to America with me. And then Kaguya kisses him. Oh, it is, it is amazing. I wish someone would do that for me. <laughs> well, anyway. Well, anyway. So... They're dating right now, and because they're dating, the manga has gone to a new focus in terms of the relationship aspect of it. Which is my boy Ishigami! Oh man, I'm so happy for him. He's he's now the star of a harem. So, nice. That's that's what I have to say about Kaguya-sama. But, I thought, like, Fujiwara would be against Ishigami ever finding love. Cause Fujiwara actually liked Ishigami. Well, not like likes, as in they're friends. Yeah, know? but like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> she seems like the kind of person who would be like, you're gonna be a dick to women. You're a bad person. No, but see, so, so, uh, Ishigami has a hidden backstory that's gonna get revealed in the anime pretty soon, actually. And it shows that Ishigami is actually a really, really nice guy. No, I already know that he's a nice guy because everything that happens to him is all because of misunderstandings. No, no. So the thing about his backstory is that no one else in the school knows about it except for the student council, and except for Miko. I mean, Miko just always used to stand stand by him, but she didn't know like what actually happened with his backstory. Like, you did you did you watch the last the latest episode of Kaguya Sama? No, I'm on episode eight. At the eight. time of this recording of the episode. I believe. I'm on. Well, anyways, I'm following Netflix timelines. 
Netflix is so slow, man. Well, anyway, forget about it. So that's that's our Tavia talk. We might as well start it every week. Dude, after you it. watch anime on Netflix, you can't go back. At least I can't go back to watching anime on websites because the skip intro feature, dude. I can't live oh. without it ever. <laughs> <laughs> the OP is, a, is an essential part. No, it's yeah, but it becomes repetitive if you listen exactly. to it like every episode. Yeah, I like it. I mean, That's over, I I remember like in the summer of my tenth grade, I developed this skill in which I knew <laughs> exactly at what point I had to skip to for the opening to end, <laughs> no matter when the opening started. <laughs> but. And then very for each anime too, right? But I memorized each thing for each anime. Like One Piece was around one minute or one minute thirty seconds or two minutes or something, and then other animes were a little shorter. And it was, yeah, that was a good time in my life. Really a high point in uh, my life. Wow, Chun Chun Maru's highest moment being able to <laughs> anticipate when to skip to miss the OP. <laughs> Well, anyway, okay. So that was our Kaguya talk. Now I want to talk about something more serious. Have you guys ever seen the movie V for Vendetta? Uh, no, uh, but I've no. heard about it. I I have the mask, but I haven't seen it. The Guy Fox mask. Yeah. The anonymous mask. Yeah. It's now become. That's weird. Well, anyway, what about you, Blaine? Haven't. Well, V for Vendetta is. A movie that was directed by the Wachowskis, which is an adaptation of, uh, which is an adaptation of a graphic novel by Alan Moore, who's one of my favorite writers. But besides the point, um, it's about this, um, about this society. It's it's England, but like it's under an author, uh, an authority an authoritarian rule so it's like a dictatorship right and okay. it's like a it's like a 1984 situation you know and then there's this this character v who's who's the title character and he's essentially a terrorist who's trying to liberate the people right i'm going to talk pr- primarily about the movie because um the because the graphic novel talks a lot about like Thatcherism and things like that. Well, the movie is more, has been modernized a bit. So it's just more about like freedom, freedom versus like authoritarianism and that sort of thing, right? So at the end of the movie, V manages to inspire all of England to like rise up and then it's this huge spectacle. V dies at the end, spoiler alert. But, um, he manages to like liberate England. So my question to you, and it's actually really cool because John Hurt plays the dictator in the movie, and John Hurt, who's also known as the War Doctor, also played the War Doctor. He also played Ollivander in Harry Potter, and he also was the main character in the movie adaptation of 1984. So just wanted to. That's my tidbit of information. But anyway, my question to you: If you live in a dictatorship, how would you liberate? First of all, would you want to liberate your country? Um, it depends on the dictator. True. <laughs> if I have dictator. a dictator like Aladdin from the movie The Dictator, 
then I wouldn't uh, oh, mind yeah. it that much. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just are you, I try to get on his good side. Yeah. How are you gonna get on to his good side? I don't know. I'll, like <laughs> get him goats or something. Step or one. make make pointy rockets or make not pointy rockets. <laughs> I, that movie has a special place in my heart. I remember <laughs> uh, one of the first conversations I had with with the first time I met a close friend of mine. The first conversation I had with him, because I'm super socially awkward, right? So the first conversation I had with him, in order to like start some kind of conversation, I I I told him about a scene in the dictator, which was, uh, hmm, what scene was it? I think it was when when they were going to use the zipline launcher. Oh, that's my that's my favorite. For <laughs> oh my god, for, for him to zipline across, and then he and then he's too heavy, so he so he gets stuck in the middle. So, so the scientist guy's like, you have to, you have to lose some weight. <laughs> so then he pulls out. Oh, first he pulls out a water bottle, and and he's like, what is that? And he's and it's and Aladdin's like, water. it's an energy drink. It has the potassium and oh, yeah, banana. <laughs> and then he drops it, and then he's still too happy. So, he's like, so the scientist's like, you have to lose more weight. So then he. he Go, goes into his other pocket and he pulls out three bananas. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and then he pulls and he's out. Like, Why do you have three bananas? So then he drops that as well. And he's like, "You're still too heavy. You need to lose some more weight." So then he pulls a brick out. Of his, he pulls a brick out of his pants. And then the scientist is like, "Why do you have a brick in your pants?" And then Aladdin's like, "It's to balance out the other brick." <laughs> <laughs> So he drops both the bricks and he's still too heavy. So then he decides to take a shit because he has because he didn't shit since he came to America, which at this point was months. <laughs> and the shit hits a girl, a woman. So anyway, bro, that movie was so anyway. comedy gold. I swear to God, you remember the helicopter was, scene? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just about to talk about that. Porsche that has to be my favorite part. <laughs> Porsche nine eleven. Man. Wait what? <laughs> anyway, so um, let me give you a scenario. I guess you live in uh, Neo Tokyo. Let's say because we have to make everything in this podcast anime related. So you live in Neo Tokyo, and um, it's currently being run by an oppressive system called um, Brother Eye. All right, or Sister Eye. Why not Sister Eye? And the dictator is a total asshole. You know, you never see him outside. Like he doesn't do any um, video conferences. All you hear is his voice through loudspeakers everywhere. There's no TVs. There's no music. There's no internet. Right? More than thirty people aren't allowed to be in the same place at once. May- Let's reduce that. More than ten people aren't allowed to be in the same place at once. And um, if you are identified as rebelling against the government, you will be kidnapped and tortured and then killed. Why so, tortured first? Why don't they just... <laughs> because well, they, they want you us. to feel pain. They have to teach us a lesson. They, they need the information. Yeah, because in case there involved. might be a rebellion or something that's coming up. You know? mm-hmm. 
secondly, all of you have tracking devices in your ear, in your necks. Like they've implanted a microchip, so they know where you are at all times. How do you start a revolution? Do we have to start a revolution? I mean, it's the let's say you power. want to start a revolution. The reason you want to start a revolution is there are no TVs and there's no internet, so there's no anime. God damn it! Okay, <laughs> like, um... I need my fucking anime. <laughs> How would I start a revolution? Uh, How deep is the microchip implanted? It's on your, uh, it's on your spinal cord. So if you remove it, you said you'll... neck. Yeah, but oh yeah, like, it's oh yeah, at the back. Yeah, so like, Just like if you're you a titan. have to remove it, you could damage your spine. I'm gonna say there's a 50, there's a seventy thirty chance that you could be completely paralyzed from removing the microchip. You remember that movie uh, where they built an exoskeleton or something? Are you, uh, is it a Matt Damon movie? No. <laughs> Elysium. Yeah, Elysium. That's a Matt Damon movie. Oh, oh man, I'm so good at this. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'll probably build something like that. Yeah, but if they're monitoring all your moves at all times, wouldn't they get suspicious and then kidnap you and torture you and then kill you? What if I have an exoskeleton first? <laughs> how long will it take you to build an exoskeleton? I don't know, how long did it take for the guy in the movie to build an exoskeleton? I don't think- I haven't seen Elysium, but I, but I don't think he built it. I think someone put it on her. Well, I'll ask someone to put it on me as well. <laughs> so step one, convince a, a mad scientist to help your cause. Yeah. Okay. What's step we'll, we'll, two? We'll take one of the scientists that Aladdin kicked out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. You know the scientist who who aimed the dictator who helped Aladdin. Was his name even Aladdin, or is it something else? But anyway, that scientist is played by I don't know his name, but he's played by this actor that I see all the time. His favorite role of mine is in Brooklyn Nine Nine. He plays Pimento. That oh guy yeah, Adrian Pimento. Yeah. Yeah. He's but that Pimento is one of my favorite characters. Really? Yeah. I like uh, Diaz. Yeah, I like Diaz. Yeah, I like all of them, but I just like if Pimento was a cast regular, then I don't think I'd like him. But because he shows up so yeah, because like, he's he's like an extreme character, right? Yeah, and because he shows up like just at one, just like standalone episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like his antics. And the last episode he was in, they. They did a spoof on Memento, which is one of my favorite Christopher Nolan films, because he because he's being drugged so that he can't retain short-term memories, and he started tattooing stuff all over. The, it is funny. Well, anyway. uh, so I, how I will you start the revolution? How would I start the revolution? Okay, I would first of all I would look on WikiHow, which I'm doing right now. <laughs> how uh, to start a revolution. How to start a revolution. You know you don't have internet, right? In this... In this yeah, well, world. I'm not going to search it up. I'm gonna have knowledge from before. <laughs> before, oh, the, before, before the dictator. Movie. Before how the, to start a revolution. Before the dictator starts, he's gonna download the internet into his brain. Oh my god, there's actually a WikiHow article. Okay. <laughs> First, you need to pick a theme 
pick a central theme around which to organize your revolution. Freedom. If you're a Marxist, okay, no, I don't want to read all this. Identify <laughs> a need for reform. Create concrete goals. Come up with a plan to secure resources. Getting the right people involved. Choose a leader and a symbol. Well, that's easy. Uh, well, that's easy, huh? Activists. This doesn't seem too hard. Yeah, I'll just do all these. What about the microchips? How are you going to gather people if 10 people aren't allowed in the same place at once? Are you going to be able to start a revolution with just 10 people? Probably. Probably. I mean, if we have like 10 people throughout and we're... See, what I would do was is I would first have a group of 10 people using my amazing using my amazing speech skills, which I don't actually have, but I'm going to assume I have, I would will those people into my side. I'd radicalize them. Then I'd make them scatter, go to their own groups of 10 people, and slowly the idea will spread, right? Right. Then I'll have probably the oldest members of my group I'll spray paint messages of when we'll gather to take down the government, right? So those guys will obviously get captured, right? And while they're being hmm. tortured, everyone will get the message from the spray paints, all, from all the tags that we put around the city, and we'll all gather together to destroy the government. Very, um... Okay, that seems like a revolutionary solid plan. And then we'll go full French Revolution. We'll bring out a guillotine and everything. Chop, chop, it'll chop. Be a, it'll be a real party. Party. <laughs> I mean, How heads will, will be bopping. So. <laughs> right. How will you do it, Blizz? Well, I'll probably, I'll probably follow you. Well, anyway, what do you do, Blizz? <laughs> um. To overthrow the government. Uh, yeah, to overthrow the government. Well, I it's mean, a dictatorship, right? I mean, whatever. That is still. Oh my. That's still. A government. dictatorship isn't a government. Uh, yes. Well, there's one person controlling everything. So. Exactly. Yeah. So that's like, a dictatorship, right? Yeah, I, I said it. I said it was a dictatorship, but anyway. So the. Government just means administration. Sure. So that dictatorship would also be a government. Would it? Yes. So what would you do? Okay. Um. Interesting. So the way I um see this happening is. Is um, have you guys played Detroit the game? Yeah, no. Detroit become human. Update. Yeah. So the way I see it is, you know how the, the robots had um, the, like the a small ground. Yeah, yeah. Like I kind of envisioned that as well when he said yeah. that. But like I don't see how it would work with uh, the chips. Maybe like a small group who somehow managed who were there before they started and they don't have the chips installed. Wait, so the chips, um, what can they do? They just know, they just record your whereabouts. Oh, okay, so location. Interesting. Do we know where the chips are in our body? 
It's on your spinal cord. But uh, if you remove it, you have a high chance of uh, either There's a 70 30 chance of being paralyzed. Or dying. Interesting. So, um, I would say, like, we could create a network, right? Of multiple. Okay, so how many people can be gathered? 10? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, only 10 people at a time. Okay. So, I, I think we could make, um, like, many of these underground hideouts, I'd say, right? And then... So many groups of 10 people, but not yeah, together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was LP's uh, idea as well. But mm-hmm. what I don't understand is how would you communicate amongst like those groups of 10 people? Yeah, like so I get that like as you said, you can spray paint locations of where you're going to meet or what you're going to discuss when you're going to meet. But then the military or people will just like either find out who did the spray painting and then kill them. See, the thing is, it won't be a dictatorship if there are no people. If all the people show up and the military kills all the people, then it's just, what is it? A government without a body, a government without a people. You know, there might be supporters. I suppose so. You mean? I mean, who would support a, go- a government when there's no anime? I'm making this too childish, aren't I? Oh my god. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Just everyone watches anime. <laughs> We're all weird in, in, in this place. You know, there's an episode of Kaguya-sama. There's a chapter of Kaguya-sama. This is the chapter that came out to announce that, that the anime was going to get released. And it was because Ishigami always brings in uh, 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 one of the jump volumes, right? It, it was a fake one, I think. It wasn't like Shonen or something. But he he always brings in one of the volumes and then him and Shirogane read it in the student council room, right? So, when, so Shirogane is like a weeblet, so he doesn't understand the full aspect. The full, like, all of weave culture or otaku culture so then uh he asked ishigami if they should be happy that there's an anime adaptation and and he's like yes you should be extremely happy and then uh kaguya and kika sh- show up and they're like oh what are you reading and shirogane is like oh we just found out that our favorite manga is getting an anime adaptation so then <laughs> chika's like are you a degenerate weave or something like that <laughs> so then, so then Shirogane, uh, he freaks out, so then he looks to Ishigami for, to like, kind of understand how we should proceed with this, because Ishigami is a full, is like a veteran weeb. So he looks at Ishigami, he's like, huh, I don't, no, I don't, I don't like anime, I don't follow it, I just read manga. So the reason Ishigami said that is because he's a closet weeb. Anyway. That is, uh, that yeah, is my second How does this relate you? to a dictatorship, though? We're all closet weird. Exactly, guys. Case. We have to overthrow a dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're going to discuss in the meetings, the revolutionary meeting. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to talk about who, who is the best girl. Yeah. Sakura or uh, Hinata. Oh, but what if the dictator itself is a closet weird? 
He just didn't want other people to watch anime. Because it causes <laughs> too much bandwidth. That would be so life. sad though. I mean, that would mean the dictator, the only person the dictator can talk to about anime is himself. Well, probably. So everyone just refuses to talk to the dictator about <laughs> anime. And then so he's like, if none of you will talk to me about anime, I'm going to ban anime for all he's of like, you. Okay, then here are your rights. Just talk about anime. <laughs> Let's make things more interesting. Let's say um, my revolution works out. I kill the dictator, and you guys are all like, "Sweet, we're free now." But then I sit in the dictator's throne, and now I'm like, "Fuck that! I'm the dictator now." We'll overthrow you straight up. <laughs> no, but obviously I'm gonna make new rules, right? Please, no, 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 as soon as soon as so soon as you sit on the throne, we're we're gonna betray you. <laughs> just gonna push the throne yeah, over. Yeah, we're just gonna like, yeah. We're gonna like, pull the throne like the middle school trick. We're just gonna pull the throne <laughs> back and you're gonna fall. <laughs> Can you just imagine LT doing this dramatic ass, uh, <laughs> sitting on the throne and like, I'm the dictator now. <laughs> Proceeds to sit down and <laughs> the throne gets pushed back by Chunjun Maru. Well, anyway, let's say that doesn't happen. A few months pass, and I've become the new dictator with new rules. I've allowed you guys to watch anime, but I've, I've. So what I've done is I've, 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 I've made a large amount of the population become farmers. Okay, then I've, I've reinstated the internet and I've reinstated anime and blah blah blah. But I've put some pretty harsh rules, like people who lie will die and um things like that but overall even though my methods are harsh i'm still a pretty chill guy until i implement uh the civil system from psychopaths so that means all my police officers have uh dominators and if your psychopath is abnormal then you're going to get exploded so Basically, there's a chance you're gonna if if there's a if the dominant if the civil system decides that you're going to do a crime in the future, the police will kill you. They'll just kill you, no matter what crime you're gonna do. No, just like, lying conduct a crime. See, so have you guys seen Psychopaths? I I mean I know I know the general plot. What about you, Burn? No. Well, so Psychopaths is this anime where, um, they, where it's this society that lives under the civil system. And the civil system is this uh, highly intelligent computer program. And what it does is it constantly monitoring the entire population and looking at their psychology. So in psychology, there's this idea that uh, our decisions actually come from the subconscious, not from our conscious mind, right? So whatever you're going to do can be predetermined by reading your subconscious. So even before you realize you're going to do something, your subconscious is already like, I'm going to do this, right? So the civil system is constantly uh, monitoring those aspects, right? The subconscious mind. So if you were to, if, if your psychopath readings are above the limit, 
and it's the and the civil system is judged that you are capable of doing a crime and you're going to do a crime then the police force will use their dominators kill you before the crime happens hmm right okay and this this can include anything from like murder to like even talking about your idea because so so like hmm i don't know how to explain this because of of course we're not uh neuroscientists but essentially that's how it works right you get punished before the crime takes place makes sense and because the civil system is always monitoring you it can predetermine your thoughts before you've realized you've thought of it because all your thoughts come from that's not system. okay hmm so what it's do you think like of that a very perfect society well so the reason i bring this up is because i recently had a conversation with my brother about psychopath and he thinks that the civil system in the right hands is actually a good thing because if you look at the world of psychopaths um i mean obviously before like all the shit and stuff it's it's a pretty good society crime is really and people are generally happy right right but the question is if such a system exists then i get then is it really worth it is my question for the safety and security of people you know i would say yes very controversial okay all right because i don't feel like the consequences of having this kind of society um has anything close to <clears throat> the benefits of having a safe and secure uh, populace well okay so in in the world of psychopaths so like it because the civil system is constantly like monitoring your thoughts even if you were like a writer who if even if you're like if you're like junji ito who's a famous horror manga he would be he would be determined to be have an unstable mind by the civil system because of like things he has to think up for his art so art doesn't exist in in this world you know so like not all art right because some art is an expression of how angry you're feeling like i remember um in one of my classes i learned that there was an artist who used to literally get into fights and uh kill people and based on that emotion he used to make uh beautiful portraits so he kill people and then do a portrait yeah it was beautiful his paintings were beautiful but the thoughts that uh invoked in him to make those paintings were obviously bad so such paintings wouldn't exist but paintings like i don't know actually uh like the starry night by van would van would like van to exist cool. yeah which was i would say a very much better painting okay so um okay, okay so but we're not talking about um the crime or the potential of a crime we're talking about um ideas right and what do you think about so like even if because 
we've talked about this before, but like ideas can spread, you know, and ideas are like the most potent virus, right? So right. statistics have shown that uh, people inherently like to copy other people, right? So okay. based on that, for like example, for example, like you know how in today's society there's this sort of trend where it's like uh, depression is trendy or like like fashionable to like have this tragic past or to be this angsty person you know would you say that exists i understand that yeah and in as well like in the media as well it's very i don't want to say popular but it's very common to see like a main character with um a sad past or something yeah yeah but but like so like people like to copy other people right yeah, so, I agree. I agree. In in that sort of sense, we're going to take this to major extremes. But in that sort of sense, if because of that, the civil system not only monitors individual um, individual subconsciouses, but also um, an average of a general population, right? So if one person in a group is depressed, according to what we've just talked about, it's likely that everyone in that group, their average happiness level will also lower because of that, because sure. of that one person's thought. So according to the civil system, which is very utilitarian in that they want um, the needs of the many over the needs of the few, right? Mm-hmm. So to the civil system, that would mean that guy has to get executed before um, the general before happiness Before he gets go down. depressed or before the other people become start becoming sad. Yeah, so it's not just about crime, it's about all of your thoughts and right, yeah. and emotion. Right? Hmm. So I guess that's still fine, right? I mean I mean it's a system hardwired for happiness. This reminds me of um, an episode of Doctor Who. Uh, this was Peter Capaldi's run. Yeah. yeah. So it it was in the it was in season ten when Bill was the tenant. And they go to this uh, colony that where they go to this colony and no humans are at it and the entire colony is made by these microbots called the the Varley Varley right so they're made so the entire colony is as in like they're all microbots and they're literally the structures of the entire colony and they're called and they're these microbots called Varley and they are programmed to ensure that people are happy Right. So, um, so when this colony was first set up, they had a couple of humans, like a few hundred or so humans, that were there to like set everything up and help the body set everything up, right? But then one of the humans died, and because of course, and because the human died, of of course, like a bunch of humans were in mourning. But because the body uh, detected that they were now sad, they realized. They, they, because of that thing that how, you know, sadness can spread, right? So they killed the humans that were sad, but because each human that was killed had a close, rel- had people who were close to them that would, of course, be sad if they were killed. So they also got sad. So then the bodies, it was like, it was like it was a chain, an yeah. exponential slaughter of, of all the helpers, right? Because one person died, so everyone who got sad, at that one person getting dying, 
also got killed by the body. And for each person, they had a bunch of people who would have got, gotten sad when they died, and they would have also been killed, and it would have continued and continued until there were no humans left, right? So, I guess my question now, after talking about like dictators and stuff, is uh, happiness. What do you think about it? Happiness, sadness. Happiness, as in, oh god, <laughs> never felt it so conscious. Never, never felt it. Junchun <laughs> uh, Maru is just a lonely soul. Good job. Without um, expression. I would say it's something that is not permanent. What do you think about this idea that um, human beings, everything a human being does in their life, to attain happiness. Yeah, mm. yeah, I think that's oh, complete true. bullshit. No, I don't think so. You, you don't think so? No. Why do you go to school? Because my parents told me to. I don't take a <laughs> shit because I want to be happy. I don't. <laughs> that's dumb. I mean, no, technically, if you don't take a shit, then you're. Gonna it's not be like I'll be sad. Either. You will be. I so might still be happy. This is the opposite of happiness, right? Because, like, if you don't take a shit, then you're going to get sick, right? And if yeah. you get sick, you'll be in a lot of pain. No, and not, that not state of pain is the opposite of happiness. Really? What if you're a masochist? masochist? I never know how to pronounce that word. Masochist? Masochist. masochist. So if you're a masochist, masochist, perhaps you would not take a shit so that you can feel pain. I think, I'm pretty sure masochist is more other people's pain. No, no, because darkness from Konosuba is a mask. That's my only she understanding likes of pain masochism. upon herself. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, I suppose if you were a masochist, maybe you would do that, because you'd want to feel pain. But that's still pain no, to make you feel happy. No, but if you're an unknown masochist, like let's say, okay, I don't want to take a shit because I just don't feel like it. Then yeah, but you're gonna why, take why a shit at some point this? in time. And the reason you're not gonna take a shit would be because. Taking a shit would lower your happiness, and you're currently doing something that makes you happy. Therefore, you don't take a shit. But the thing is, it's not like you do everything that you're doing just to be happy. But I'm or not be talking happier. about short term. Like, in the long term, whatever you're doing is to attain some sort of happiness. Like, like what do you want to be for in example, the <laughs> um, a human. Why do you want to be a human? Humans are the worst. Humans suck. Because I'm a, I'm a pet, right? Of Megumi. No, you're a sword. You're a sword. Oh, I'm a sword, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would like to be human. Why would you like I to like be? Because I like the human race. They're very complex and fun. See, See so you'd like fun. to be a human. Make being a human would make you happy, right? Well, it wouldn't make me happy. It's just that I'm curious. As to what a sword curiosity would makes be. you happy, right? Like, no, not necessarily makes me happy. It just uh, okay. I guess I've walked. Myself chun chun, you, I was you, gonna you say have lost this. I was gonna say it makes me feel satisfied, and I guess that's the same. Satisfaction, right? Yeah. So like, you can agree that whatever we do in our life is to attain some sort of happiness, right? 
what is okay. what is, how so, how important is it to be happy if everything you do in life is to become happy then it's pretty important <laughs> yeah but then like if we all think that happiness is the most important thing in the world we'll 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 build robots that need us to be happy and then when we become sad they'll kill us you know why would we build that then i don't know because we're stupid humans because because we're stupid i'm saying um i don't know what i'm saying but like don't you think it's interesting though that like everything a human being wants in their life can be boiled down to uh being happy you know why do you want to have yeah. a girlfriend because like a girlfriend will make me feel um not as alone and therefore i will be happier you know right i guess that's true so is happiness the reason for our existence would you say um it's i guess for the human race as a whole happiness would be but individually you we're all here for a different i mean you guys are all here for a different reason since i'm a sword i mean a sword um, has a purpose yeah well, but i have a kill. very that defined purpose cuz i'm a tool but humans are more complex than that and based on their skill set and behaviors and mind structure it structure very i don't know mind um set mindset yeah mindset it would vary as to what their purpose in life would be and you think attaining that purpose is what will make you happy yeah. i'm going to take that as a yes well uh chinchin maru since your sword and uh your purpose is to fight and kill people and stuff like that then by not then by being on this podcast right now aren't you not fulfilling your life's purpose leave the sword alone he's just taking a break um okay fine well i guess this is what we're going to be talking about next is isn't exactly going according to uh my plan but um cuz i wanted to talk about other stuff but we're going to do it so so um this is essentialism versus existentialism we're all going to be so essentialism is the philosophy that um we're brought into this world with a god-given purpose so like we're we're in this universe with a purpose and what gives our life meaning is um fulfilling that purpose you know so like if i was born to be a baker then being a baker would give my life meaning you know that's uh, So so that's what essentialism is. And like that thing that we're born to do that purpose is it's called essence. So like if we live our life adhering to that essence what we're meant to do then we're living a meaningful life. That's what essentialism is. But on the other hand existentialism is the philosophy that when we come into this universe we don't have a purpose and through living our life we like we find our purpose. Like you find our essence and then we can, can we can live a meaningful life after that so basically what existentialism says is we're born into this world and 
through living life we have to find our purpose. And that makes more sense to a human being, you know, currently living. We, we, none of us know what our purpose is inherently, right? Right? Like, I mean, do we know what we want to do? Do we know what our purpose is, right? Do we? Probably not. True. Yeah, no, no one knows in the first 20 years of their life, I'm sure. <laughs> first 20? Maybe even longer than that. Maybe six years, seven. True. Yeah. So, like... So, uh, that's the argument for essentialism. But I guess the thing is that we as humans, you know, we're always like, uh, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why do I exist? Right? And, I mean, some could argue that our entire purpose of existing is just to find out why we're here, right? But then, like, if you die before you find out why we why you exist, then would that mean you've lived, you've a, lived meaning a meaningless life? No, of course not. Why not? Because based on what you've did, you affected or altered other people's lives. And if you've had an impact on other people and the world, then obviously your life hasn't been meaningless. Ted Bundy has had impact on the world. I only know his name from a meme. Yeah, same. <laughs> Ted Bundy was a serial killer. <laughs> well, he had yeah, well, he has had an impact on life. You can't deny that he has. Yeah, but did he lead a meaningful life? Not necessarily a, a good life? impact. The question is whether he yeah. led a meaningful life, not if he had an impact. Hmm. Population crisis. <laughs> it didn't kill that many, that, that many people. <laughs> he Everything raped people counts. too, huh? Yes, he did. Oh, you just Google it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> People say that um, our purpose is what keeps us alive, right? But if none of us inherently know what our purpose is, then what's stopping us from, like, you know, killing ourselves? I guess to find that purpose. Yeah, the struggle to find that purpose is what makes us human. Yeah, I... I guess that makes sense. I mean, that's the entire point of existentialism, right? Um, so, anyway, there's this other theory that I find quite interesting, actually. Um, it's terror management theory, which is also a part of uh, death. And it's like, the reason, it says that the reason we're alive and the reason we continue to exist is because we have this aversion to death, right? So, like, even if we don't have a purpose, like, the reason we don't kill ourselves from our meaningless and spare ourselves from our meaningless life mm -hmm. is because we have this aversion to death. So, like, the entire philosophy of uh, death denial or terror management theory is that everything we do in our life and every everything we do is a distraction from the inevitability of death and it's a distraction to keep us from killing ourselves. From the fact that we are going to die. Right? But so, to be honest, I've thought a lot about what it would be like if I died. Like the aftermath or the afterlife? <laughs> both. How will people react to your death? In both, actually. I, I feel like. Uh, thinking about how would people react to your death makes uh, me scared to want to die or kill myself because you just uh, want to see what happens. 
No, no, I, I, no, I don't want to see what will happen because I'm afraid of how it will affect people. Hmm. Well, that's very interesting. But I mean, I mean, what do you think of terror management theory and its assumption that everything we do in our life is just to distract us from the fact that we're going to die? But like, um, I guess with the, I guess with terror management theory, it's very nihilistic because it says that we don't actually have a purpose or meaning. And, like, it says that the only reason we're still alive is because we're just trying to distract ourselves from the inevitability of death. I guess that's true to some extent, but not... But even, like, thinking 100%. about what it'll be like when I die, it's still a distraction from death, isn't it? Right. I agree. Because and this theory does make sense, but not completely, I guess. How so, would you say? Because it's not like everything I do is a distraction. Um, because it's not like it's always in the back of my head, like, oh my god, I'm gonna die at some point. <laughs> but well, the thing <laughs> is that we're, it's, we're so in tune with our distractions that it, it's essentially what it is. It's, it's, it's like background noise. Yeah, Life no, so if, if we're already so in tune with these distractions, then at, at some point it's not a distraction anymore. It's just become part of our life, right? And like, in the end, it's... It's but that's so not what the theory states. Focus. The theory states that living in of itself, that's the distraction. Living is the distraction from killing yourself. So like, even mm. even this conversation, like, saying that death isn't at the back of your mind, like, even that in of itself is a distraction from killing yourself, you know? Like, whatever you do, whatever thoughts you have, whatever ideas you possess, whatever... Whatever actions you take, those are all distractions keeping you from killing yourself. From um, slitting your wrists, or hanging yourself, or jumping off the Burj Khalifa. Which is, which is very, like, depressing. I find it very interesting. Depressing, and I, I, like, I don't like to think about this. Because, like, it makes a lot of sense to me that everything we do... Because, first of all, it says that we don't have... Them human beings it's like it's like a joke of existence we just we're just there there's no reason why we're there but we're just there right and makes, yeah. it's very nihilistic for the reasons i just said and like the fact that it says that life is a distraction kind of lowers the value of life. the value of life you know that is nothing more than a distraction from killing yourself. Very... Very deep. Okay, okay, I lied. This did put me in an existential crisis. Told you. <laughs> but... But I find it very interesting, our management theory. It's certainly something thought-provoking. You know? Because... I guess... My because I'm so like I don't know actually never mind low energy no <laughs> cut that <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I guess I just don't want to accept this because I'm so invested in my distractions as you say that I don't want to believe it's true and that makes me think that okay maybe it's even more true because <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> believe it <laughs> it's ignorance yeah and. Well. well, it's certainly interesting, isn't it? Like, um, one of my favorite philosophers is Camus, 
And one of the things he said was, um, whatever gives our life meaning is whatever keeps us from killing ourselves. Which kind of sounds depressing, but still. And if you uh, consider terror management theory, and if you think terror management theory is true, um, which I guess in philosophy, um, nothing, re nothing really is ever true. So I guess nothing is certain. But like, if you were to believe terror management theory, and that it says that life is just a distraction. I know we just talked about how it like, how that statement perhaps lowers um, the value of life. But like, if we take Camus' statement as well, that uh, our purpose is whatever keeps us from killing ourselves, then wouldn't that mean like, wouldn't that mean life in of itself is the ultimate purpose? Like, just just breathing, just just being alive. That's that is our purpose existing you know so i guess i guess what i'm trying to get to is that like terror management theory can still be like interpreted in a less nihilistic sort of way i managed to turn it around i feel like that the only purpose in life is just life itself living being alive spending it you know yeah cool. but there's always the argument that life is meaningless well, um, well, Camus is an absurdist, and absurdism is, it basically says that spending time trying to, like, ponder, um, what gives our life meaning, and, and why are we here, is, like, spending time doing that is absurd, because life is meaningless. So, like, his whole thing is essentially, like, why are you wasting your time, um, wondering what is the meaning of all this? I guess right? that's also... Uh, interesting because um, he's accepting the fact that it's meaningless and then just going on with life saying the point of life is life I don't I guess this it. also goes ha in hand with like optimistic nihilism because like optimist yeah. the whole thing about optimistic nihilism is that we're so small and insignificant that whatever we do has no effect in the long run you know so like why are we getting caught up in the small stuff you know like are we wasting our time on that? Like, for example, oh, I failed an exam, right? Like, why are we... In a million years, that won't... That'll be nothing. It won't even be remembered, you know? Like, in the long term, our lives are so inconsequential that whatever you do, you know? It doesn't matter. In the end, we're still gonna die. Yeah, like... In the end, we're still gonna die. And in the end, the universe True. is still gonna continue on. So, like, why waste time on that, you know? That's also pretty cool. That, that's a, I like that philosophy. That's, yeah. I guess that's the best way to approach it. Because the actions you do don't really affect uh, the universe that much. In my personal opinion, uh, I don't really like to think about the universe, you know, like, how the universe is so, you know, cold and uncaring, and uh, and all that stuff, because like humans need to believe that their life has some meaning, you know. Like <laughs> I I talked about this in my TOK presentation, but like um, one of Camus' philosophies was the myth of Sisyphus. <laughs> Man, I mumble that so bad. So. Um, 
Wait, was Sisyphus the guy who went to hell because he uh, cheated death or something? First of all, Sisyphus is a Greek myth about um, well, well, this guy named Sisyphus who um, who wronged the gods. So, like, he was punished by uh, being forced to push a boulder up this mountain um, every single oh, day. Oh yeah, I read about that in Percy Jackson. Yeah. And every time he'd reach uh, the top of the mountain, the boulder, the boulder, was, boulder like, would roll down. Yeah. So he'd have to go back down the mountain and roll the boulder back up, and that's what he had to do repeatedly. Punishment. But Camus said that we shouldn't take it as a punishment, and that this is fist in rolling this boulder up every single day found. But in he went life. to hell. Well. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if he went to hell, but all I know is uh, he rolled a, he rolled a boulder up a mountain. But anyway, um, I mean he he tried to escape death three times, and that was his punishment, or two. Yeah, times. yeah. What what he did was um, the first time he the first time when he was going to die, he told his wife to throw his body onto the streets or something. So when he went, so when he went. To, like the death place. What's it called? Uh, Tartarus. When he went to Tartarus, he told whoever, he told Hades that his wife didn't uh, bury him properly. So Hades allowed him to go back, and then that was the first time he death. And then I don't remember the second or third. But anyway, that is a punishment. According to Camus, at least. Um, rolling up the boulder every single day, that gave his life meaning. And like, I find it oddly comforting, because like, even the smallest little thing, like rolling up a boulder, and repeating that action, that, that is enough to give purpose to your life, you know? Just like, just whatever you're doing. Hmm. Which is cool, isn't it? You don't have to like, you don't have to spend your entire life Trying to find out what gives your life purpose. Just like, just live your life. Just do whatever you're doing. I find that nice, you know? Like, I'm certainly leaning towards absurdism in my, in terms of my philosophy. Because, like, it's, it's basically like, don't waste your life thinking of, thinking That's about what gives it meaning. Just, just live mm -hmm. it. That's all you have to do. And, and by doing so, you'll find your meaning, you know? I guess. Well, um, well, that's it for the episode, I guess. Um, relatively short episode, wasn't it? Uh, I kind of like this episode. I mean, uh, we we did talk about life being nothing more than a distraction from killing yourself, but still, I thought it was kind of enlightening. Mm, true. You know. Same. Any final thoughts? I guess. What gives your life meaning? Let's let's talk about that. If I knew, then I would be much happier as a person. Hmm. To be honest, even if we knew, we'd probably procrastinate trying to fulfill it. <laughs> no, I mean, if we knew, then we wouldn't waste time doing other stuff. Like, if my let's say, if my life purpose was to make memes and laugh at memes, then I wouldn't go to school. I would focus completely on memes. At least, and if that's I... a pretty shit purpose. Not yeah, I know, it's a pretty sorry. shit purpose, but it's just an example. It's a... Yeah. What about you, boys? 
<laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, man. I don't know what I'll do if I knew my life's purpose. Hmm. I'd probably forget it after a while because I have shit memory. Oh wow. Uh, I just learned what my life's purpose is and I'm probably going to forget about it in two months, who knows? Um, <laughs> well, as for me, I don't know what my life's purpose is. <laughs> well, I mean, does anyone? Does anyone? I don't think so. So, while we were doing this, I came up with like, uh, I was talking to, I mean, uh, chatting with, and I, um, <laughs> so I came up with this beautiful, beautiful expression, alright? Uh, so he sent me a meme where uh, it was like the guy's uh, cock gets crushed by this woman. <laughs> it sounds weird, but then he made a joke. He's like, uh, like coming for the last time in your life, probably the best uh, orgasm in your life. And then I'm the like, <laughs> coming for the last time in your life, call that final fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. Bad. How fucking lonely are you guys? Let's just talk so about It was so funny, dude. It was so funny in the moment. You know, I used to be a very depressing person. <laughs> used to be. You didn't, you didn't listen to trap music in the first week of school, dude. I can't believe it. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing that makes a person's life depressing or not non-depressing. Yeah, that's the determining factor. If you listen to trap music, you're a god. <laughs> you're a god. I'll tell you why I'm a god. Because I'm up to date on a couple manga. You're <laughs> <laughs> just a weeb. Yes, I am a weeb. A god tier weeb. I am a god tier weeb! Ah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> LT LT is the biggest fan base by himself. <laughs> <laughs> His mom hears that she's just like, "What is my son come?" <laughs> okay. Um. So this has been can't you see where I'm going? To be honest, I was just waiting for Blaine to come back because I didn't get his take on existence. But I guess it's a lost cause now. Every time someone leaves early, I mean, not their fault. So this has been Can't You See Where I'm Going, I'm your host, LTW Blank. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at no more unique usernames left. Or my art account at LTW Blank. You can follow Blizz at photo underscore lies. L-Y-Z-E-D. No, it's Zed. We had a conversation about the Was it S or Z? It's Zed. Oh my god. I'm so confused. Zed. <laughs> I can't remember my own user <laughs> Oh yeah, it's said. You can follow Tintu and Maru at uh, Bodak on Spotify and Apple Music. Listen to his trap music. <laughs> I mean, I don't personally listen to it. <laughs> but I think it's more of lo-fi. It's, no, it's everything. Honestly, it's I everything. It's all genres of music at once. <laughs> follow <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> at the same time, you can follow Blamed at Blacksmith underscore B L X M E D underscore 
Um, we also have the podcast. Also has an official Instagram and Twitter page. You can follow the podcast at Automaton underscore Craig. I changed it because I thought underscore was too long. You know, makes sense. Good decision. Good decision. I mean, it depends on how easily people can find it. I wanted to change it to Craig Bot, Craig underscore Bot, but that was already taken. Oh, so we got seventeen followers. Yeah, we got that. We did. We do got seventeen followers. Wait, minus two. Fifteen. <laughs> Why minus one? two? Oh, sorry, minus three. Me. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the guest host that keeps coming back. <laughs> you can't say that. I'm not keeping that. I mean, even though it's pretty obvious to all the listeners. Well, anyway, did we say that we're the best podcast? We're the number one fan base. I'll say it right here. I'll say it right now. We're the fan base. Um, V for Vendetta. We're a bigger fan than Alan Moore. Alan Moore is big. Anyway, um. Yeah, so you can follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at automaton underscore Craig. Um, if you don't know how to spell any of that, look it up. And uh, that's it, I guess. We also have an, e- an email address. So I guess if you have any questions you want to ask us or any like topic ideas you guys have, we're going to give it to the listeners. Because why not? Let's make uh, it. I'll add it in the description. <laughs> Yeah, I will do that. So our 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 Gmail is where am I going at gmail dot com. So um yeah that that's that. Um, this has been Conscious Theory on Going. I quite like this episode. So anyway, we have one consistent follower. Bye. <laughs>